What a beautiful, beautiful man of God you've got with Gary and, of course, Dean and all your staff here. Uh, got to meet Nancy, and boy, uh, Pearl of Great Price is what's coming to mind. Just an amazing, amazing resource, an amazing woman. So I'm looking forward to doing this retreat. Um, don't feel bad if you can't come. If the door is open for you to do that, come and join us. This morning, as I was praying about coming, uh, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. This is Josh. Y'all know Josh? Um, I, I've had a song going through my head now for about three days, and that could either be an earworm, you know what an earworm is, where just the song goes through your mind over and over, or it's the Holy Spirit. One way of determining that is what happens every time you turn your mind toward the music going through your head. And I can tell you, every time I turn my mind toward this song, I wind up worshiping. I have moved, and I consider that to be the Holy Spirit calling me to worship. So whether this song does that for you today or not, this is what it's doing for me. This morning as I was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit say, if you pass a guy with a guitar when you get over there, ask him to help. So, so I grabbed Josh. Josh is a senior yes. at Franklin Classical School. And as I, your worship leader is Mark, is that his yes. name? I, I asked Mark if he would do this, and Mark said, Josh has been after me for weeks to sing this song, and I don't know it, so let me go get him. So I said, you pass him in the hall, send him up to Dean's class. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. Oh, and this morning praying too, I felt the Holy Spirit. Now, notice the words. Our encounter with the Holy Spirit is both grounded in the Word of God and then our subjective encounter of it. You know that? The Holy Spirit lives in you. That's not as personal as it gets. And so the Word of God, living and active. Now, take care of these words. Somebody look up Hebrews 4.12. If you would, somebody <coughs> flip open Hebrews 4.12. It's always Word and Spirit. Or do the hands the same way. Word and Spirit. They're both at work. Without the Holy Spirit, the Word of God remains words on a page. With the Holy Spirit, the Word of God becomes what Hebrews 4 is talking about. And those images in Hebrews 4 are intended for us to invest faith in. Okay, so I always do my hands like this. This is the concept. The Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is my investment of faith. I believe that. That, that intersection of that teaching of Scripture and my faith, the Holy Spirit works to make it what? The Scriptures then become alive. And notice the wording. It's living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Brother, would you read that for us? Sure. Yeah. Um, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates into <clears throat> dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So how many times have we heard that passage? Today, if you are engaging the Holy Spirit, if you say yes to that, the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God to speak to you. Do you believe that? I'm asking that correctly. Do you believe, don't have to answer me, but answer in your mind. Your acknowledgement that I do believe that becomes your investment in what's being said. So this morning, we're going to open the Word of God and as we open the Word of God, we have all sorts of background beliefs that we are going to give permission to be living and active. I often use glasses. 
is my backpack, this is my innermost being, this is down below the waterline, and I'm activating those things that are true. The Holy Spirit is here. You believe it? You carry him in with you. You encounter him in each other. You've encountered him as a community of faith as you've met together to worship. The Holy Spirit loves to give glory to who? Jesus. Today, as you've been giving glory to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been working in that. The Holy Spirit is all through this place this morning. He is speaking. He's speaking now. The spiritual world is not a thousand miles away. It's as close as your own skin. It's as close as your own your hand to your face. It's right here. So now we're going to participate in a song. If you don't know, here's a few of the words. Thank you to my brother for writing a few. And, and he has no socks on. He's a fan. I like that. I'm a fan of this. The Holy Spirit also told me this morning, and, and I don't mean to be quirky, but he said, move more into being your natural self. When you're, I preach and teach with my shoes off. Every Sunday that I preach and teach, every day I worship at our church, my shoes are off. Now, that could either be just a weird thing somebody does to make a point. What am I saying? On holy ground. Holy ground. Gives you a good grasp of the surface. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're on holy ground, is that what you're saying? Yeah, we're on holy ground. Why are we on holy ground? He's promised we're two and three together. Where is he? Yeah, he's, here. he's here. He's promised when you open his word, it's going to be living and active. He's here. Do you believe it? We're on the holy ground. That doesn't mean you got to do it. Keep your shoes on, you know. <laughs> but for me, this is my symbol. I don't care what symbol you use. Maybe it's just a symbol in your head. Maybe you carry something in your pocket. Something to remind you we're on holy ground. So now, this is a song. Well, yes. Before you start talking about that spiritual song here, what if the song that runs through your head is Corina, Corina? Where'd you go last night? It'd be an earworm. It'd be an earworm. You know, when I tell my brother is a music teacher, and I, I kid with my brother Craig, he's really good. He has a master's in vocal performance. When I really want to irritate my brother, I tell him, I'm going to give you an earworm. I start singing some silly song and get out of the head. So just replace that song with another one. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the you are here moving in our midst? This is a popular song on the radio. What key? Which uh, I'm in G sharp. You are here. You are here. Do you want to go ahead and sing? Go it? sing it. Okay. Are here. Is everyone standing? Oh, stand, sit. I do. Do whatever you want to do. Go ahead. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. Cause you are way Keep alive. 
darkness, my God, that is who you are. Who you are. miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. You are cherubim on the ark of the covenant saying there he is the unseen God call the people to the unseen God who is in our midst as you lead as you worship may your heart like those cherubim bow before him as you extend your hands and may those who are around you see it and follow what you are called to lead and do we bless you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit Amen. Amen. Okay, two phones are up here. Josh, is one of these yours? No, Okay. Oh, they're recording. All right. Hello, Dean. I'm going to mess your class up today. I'll put these back here. So, uh, it's an honor to be here with you and to engage one of my favorite topics, the Holy Spirit. Um, you guys right now are going through the book of Acts, and you're stopping every place the Holy Spirit is mentioned, and you're asking the question, what is the Spirit of God doing as you go through the book of Acts? So we can continue with that today. Last time I was here, we were moving in a different direction, and we kind of scrubbed that when I realized we needed more of a long introduction. I don't mind going back and picking up the last class where we were, or we could just pick up and start in Acts 3 and 4 where Dean left off. You guys don't care. So... We're going to do Acts. Okay. So in the book of Acts, there is this new day that occurs. Y'all looked at Acts 2, I think, last time. In Acts 2, there is the fulfillment of every Jewish heart. Every Jewish heart is looking forward to that day. That day in Joel chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit will be poured out on all flesh. And every good Jew knew that the day of the Messiah was the day of the Holy Spirit. Repeat this after me. The day of the Messiah... The is the day of the Holy Spirit. Let's say it again. The day of the Messiah is the day of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you are a Jewish child, you've been taught that since you could quote Torah, since you could understand what was being said. Today, if I 
do some things that you learn by memory. How many of y'all grew up in a church? I did. And if I start any sing, little song or any saying, you'll immediately, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Very good. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the closest in the room. You got it. You were drilled. You were taught well. Oh, and I do this often, so take about 30 seconds in silence, and now thank God for all those aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, and Sunday school teachers who taught you at that Presbyterian church or the Church of Christ or however you grew up. Just 30 seconds in silence, close your eyes, and just praise God for this cloud of witnesses who taught you. Just do it for a second. Acknowledge, Lord Jesus, Jesus, our indebtedness to generations who have gone before us. And we have learned the word of God from them, and we are hearts are full of gratitude. As now we engage what is most precious to them. They taught us the word of God, and now we receive it with gladness in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you were a Jewish child from the time that you were young, you learned that thing we're looking forward to. Judaism is always looking ahead. Even today with Orthodox Jews, what are they waiting for? The Messiah. They're still waiting. They don't know he's come. They're still waiting for the Messiah. Judaism, from, from Genesis on, after the fall, from Genesis on, it is a forward-looking religion. There are, there are trajectories that come from the Old Testament. As you think trajectories, don't think about missiles and prophecies. Mixing my metaphor. Prophecies that all come to Jesus like they're, they come, they bypass history. The trajectories that go through the scripture in Judaism weave their way through history and then they find their fulfillment in Jesus. They weave their way through history and they find their fulfillment in Jesus. One of those trajectories was Joel chapter 2. When the Messiah comes, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all flesh. What does all flesh mean? Everybody, old men, old women, children, slaves, everyone drinks of the Holy Spirit. Who drank of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Who experienced the Holy Spirit? Select people, prophets. The Holy Spirit was given and partialed out to different people. But Jesus begins to teach that new day is coming. And it's good that I go away. If I go away, I can be good if you go away. If I go away, I'm going to send my spirit. If I send my spirit, you all have me. Everything that I have, oh, Everything you've got of Jesus comes by the Holy Spirit. You get nothing of Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit. You know that? And that's what was intended. And that's what the Jew knew. So on that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit falls, and all of these nations are together, oh, the, the exact reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. What happened at the Tower of Babel? Oh, separation. Uh-oh, what happens now? They got it. We all hear our, the glory of God being proclaimed in our own languages. We got it. That day has come. So when Peter begins preaching, Joel 2 has arrived. He is saying something they recognize. He was, this wasn't a new idea to them. And they were able to go, oh, oh, that day has come. And then he gets to that point in the churches of Christ that I've cut my teeth on. Acts 8.28, uh, 
228, what is it? 238. Quote it for me, Acts 238. Somebody quote it, read it. And the name? And what will happen? And that promise is for you and, and as many as our Lord God will call. And that would be us. Every one of you here have the Holy Spirit if you're in Jesus. That marking point for most of us is baptism. Can the Holy Spirit come apart from baptism? Sure it can. You read about examples of that in Acts. Is it normative for the Holy Spirit to come at your conversion? Yes, that's normative. What is baptism? It's your conversion. It's your faith response to God. If you've not been baptized, please do so. <laughs> is it your ticket into heaven? It is not, but it's that place where God chooses to give you his Holy Spirit. Now you carry that within your breast. And so Paul will say things like strange statements. This is one of the calls of the apostle. I fill up in my body what's still lacking concerning the sufferings of Christ for you, the church. And I'm striving with all the energy within me to proclaim this mystery that's not been revealed in former generations. And that mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That dwelling seat of the very presence of Jesus, his glory that he has called you to is a gift to you by the Holy Spirit. You've been gifted. I like gifts. My wife loves gifts that are wrapped. You know? People do. But I learned that in my first year of marriage when I just kind of gave her a gift here. <laughs> but she wants to wrap. God has wrapped a gift and handed it to you in the form of the Holy Spirit. And it's by that spirit he dwells in you that Jesus dwells in you. And you can engage that. So that's what Acts 2 is all about. Now, at that point, the church believes it and begins going out to engage this new day of the Messiah. And that's kind of where we are in Acts 3 and Acts 4. In Acts 3, there is uh, there's no specific mention of the Holy Spirit uh, that we have to stop at. But... Every Jew knew this cripple who is, who is healed, the uh, crippled beggar in chapter 3 of Acts. You can open up there. When Peter says, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the men's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple called Beautiful, the gate of the temple called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Every Jew would know that that was a healing by the Holy Spirit. Even before Pentecost, they would know that. And so although the Holy Spirit's not mentioned here, that's exactly what's happening. Now notice what happens both in chapter 3 and we're going to look in chapter 4. The Holy Spirit begins to move in power as they go out and do. Sometimes you'll have people say things like, well, and I don't want to be critical here. I, I have one foot in the evangelical street. 
okay? That's who we are. We're evangelicals. One foot in the charismatic stream, okay, the move of the Holy Spirit. Then there's all these other good orthodox streams flowing around, liturgical. I dip my cup over there. Sometimes I dip a bucket. Liturgical, social justice. That stream. I took a vow of poverty when I was 20 years old and started giving half my money to the poor, and I did that for years. That's social justice. Salvation Army, that's the social justice stream. The incarnational stream, Christ in you, the hope of glory. All of these good streams are flowing around us that we dip our bucket or our cup in. So if I say anything that sounds critical, I don't mean, I just mean sometimes those streams haven't fully recognized the fullness that's in other streams. Does that make sense? So often with evangelicals, I hear the language of being open to the Holy Spirit. You with me? What does it mean to be open to something? Because we're going to notice in three and four, they're not just open. What are they doing? They are moving. And as they move, they encounter. As they encounter, they invest faith. As they invest faith, what happens? Miracles. Okay? So now I'm going to draw a pantomime. You ever been to the state fair where they drew your face and got your gray hair and other characteristics I won't mention right now, but they got your, <laughs> they got your gray hair. They overemphasize, right? In order to make a point, I'm going to overemphasize now symbolically to make a point. Here's a symbol of openness. Yeah, I'm good with that. If, 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 if it what? This one. Yeah, I, I think I'd be okay with that. If it came my way, right? Expression has to be there, too. <laughs> well, that expression. <laughs> so I, I'd be open if I, I one time had a, I did a conference and I, I wanted to talk, one of the guys to talk. I had two Pentecostal, Pentecostal charismatic, and two evangelicals. I said, now, y'all talk about the Holy Spirit. And my dear evangelical brothers, who I can name, they're, they're close friends, we go on vacation together, they use the language of openness. While my Pentecostal brother and my, my, my charismatic sister use the, use, use the language of what? Participation in. Participation in. Okay? So how do we move today? One of the reasons I want to start with worship, one of the reasons I want to point out the Holy Spirit's working, this is not just an academic study, right? We are studying so that we can then what? Engage, right? We're studying so that we can engage. In fact, my growth in the power of the Holy Spirit came primarily as a good Church of Christ young man through what? Word. Word. I was reading it, and I got tired of explaining it away. Now, y'all are not like this, but the church... Churches I grew up in were cessationists. Okay? What does cessationist mean? If you didn't grow up in the Church of Christ, you may not know that word. Somebody define it for me. A cessationist church is? Miracles have ceased. Miracles have ceased. Okay? They, they ended when? The last apostle. Oh my goodness, study your church history. We did a little of that last time. Oh. Those church fathers who the apostles laid hands upon, miracles happened in their churches and they write about them. And then the next hundred years it happened. In the next hundred years, just follow them all the way up to Augustine, Augustine. And you can read about miracles of prophecy and healing and the resurrection of the dead. It's all through church history. Now you either have to say, I don't believe what they're writing because my theology teaches 
And my, my, as a young man, I'd go, but where does it teach that? It doesn't. 1 Corinthians 13, these things that pass away, it's not talking about, it's talking about the eschatology. It's talking about the end of times. The perfect's not arrived. That's when Jesus, when we're known face to face, even as we're fully known, that's the time when Jesus appears again. So I begin saying, you know what, I still don't believe in miracles and tongues and prophecy. I don't believe in any of that. But I can no longer hold myself back from a brother who does because I can see how he got there. He's got the same Bible that I've got. I'm going to use you as a symbol. He's got the same Bible, you know, the same Bible I've got. And when he reads it, he believes the Spirit of God's moving in power. I've got the same Bible I read. I can see how he got there. Now, I don't believe it, but what can I not do? I can't hold him. I've got to say, brother, we both have the same Bible, and I'm not going to keep you at arm's distance. And I began fellowshipping. And as I started fellowshipping with these crazy people, <laughs> I began seeing things that I, and experiencing things I'd never experienced before. Most of y'all know, many of y'all know the name Don Finto. I was at a meeting of pastors. He had about 100 young pastors he discipled. Praise God for men like Don Finto, Rubel Shelley, yeah, all, these, all these men. Whatever you call them, they're apostles. Whatever you call them, they're extra local leaders. Whatever you call them, they are visionaries. Amen. And there was a group about this size, and Don was struggling with something in his life. He had a daughter who was having trouble. All the men were piled around. I was new to all this. So I was standing on the outside of the pack, and I had my hand on a guy's back. And, and I wasn't moved emotionally at all. I was just praying. I just fine. And all of a sudden, I doubled over in pain. And I could feel what that man was feeling. I'm not talking about through association. I'm not saying I fought myself into my emotions and I identified with him to such extent that I felt his pain. No, I'm telling you I felt that man's pain. It went through my body like electricity. I doubled over and started weeping. And I was convulsing. I was hurting so bad for him. I felt what he was feeling. And I was trying to muffle it. And an old pastor named Plummer... Hodges, Plummer, Plummer Hodges. Isn't that a cool name? <laughs> he, he saw what was happening with me. He took me by the hand. He parted the, all the guys praying. He took my hand and put my hand on Don Fintos. He said, you pray. Now what did that old man do? Well, why did he do that? What was happening to me? Now it may not have been your experience, okay? But remember, we, people have all sorts of subjective experiences of the Holy Spirit. I read a Church of Christ author not long ago. I love this guy, but he said basically, you know, all these things have stopped. And I thought he would not accept any testimony unless it happened to him. <laughs> I am telling you something that happened to me. You can trust me. I'm not a liar. Okay? So when that old man parted the cup, why did he do that? Why did he take me up and put hands on Don Pinto? He knew what, he knew what, you were. what was happening. Well, you were having you were having a Holy Spirit experience. I was having a Holy Spirit experience. And what kind of experience was I having? It's in the Bible. Romans 8. I'm groaning. Who's groaning? When you read Romans 8, who's groaning? God's groaning. And I'm groaning. Paul says when you groan, we're groaning. The Spirit of God's groaning over. He's suffering. How many times have you said to somebody, Jesus is suffering with you right now? 
He's not relieved you of this cancer, of this pain, of this disappointment. He's growing. How many times? I've said that a thousand times. You said that before? What's it like when you tap into that and experience that? And that brother brought me forward, put hands. I don't know if anything happened in Don Finjo. That's not important. That's not the point. The point is, that was in the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Just name them. Love, joy, Any love in your life? It's by the Holy Spirit. Any joy in your life? It's by the Holy Spirit. Any peace in your life? Any understanding? Any growth? Any? You don't grow at all unless the Holy Spirit helps you to grow. You are saturated with the Holy Spirit. You are baptized in the Holy Spirit. You are filled. Give me the metaphors of the Holy Spirit. Scripture uses a bunch. The Holy Spirit as counselor. Counselor. Wasn't that beautiful? Who said that? Counselor. Holy Spirit is counselor. Listening to us, instructing us, encourages us. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel and watch over you. I will instruct you, Holy Spirit says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel and watch over you with my eye. Okay, counselor, what else? Comforter. Intercessor, praying for you. Man, how cool it is when somebody labors. I was laboring for Don Pinto, okay? Didn't want anything from that man. It just, what else? Holy Spirit is? Comforter. Comforter. I blank clothed. Paul says we're clothed in the Holy Spirit. Ah, I just spent the weekend at a river cabin. I'm a little sleepy. It was beautiful, so quiet. Three or four hours of not hearing anything. It was so cold. I wrapped myself up and I sat on the back porch and listened to nothing. I watched the Buffalo River go by. Clothing. Give me another one. The Holy Spirit. Advocate. Ooh. In our litigious society, what's it like to have an advocate? who goes before you and represents you and makes sure. Give me another one. It's full. The Bible's full of them. Wind. Wind. Water. Fire. The dove. <coughs> Developing a language for the Holy Spirit. What's it like when the Holy Spirit rests on people? You ever been in a worship service and everybody just got quiet? It just happened? And you were, your, your, your response is, Spirit's resting on us. For all of us, the book of Acts is not shy about crediting the Holy Spirit for the things that happen. We are. Why, why are we shy? We're saturated, baptized, <coughs> dripping with. Everything is of the Holy Spirit, but we're real careful not to use any of that language because we don't want to sound presumptuous or emotional. We dare not get emotional. We're pious. Okay? Oh, watch these guys. Uh, Acts 4. And I don't watch the clock, so what time, Gary, would you give me the five-minute warning? Hey. Five minutes. Five minutes. <laughs> okay, Acts 4. The priests and captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming the, uh, the resurrection of the dead. Verse 3, chapter 4. 
They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. Ooh, how do you believe? The Holy Spirit awakens. And the number of men grew to 5,000. The next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. And Ananias, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas and John and Alexander and the other men of the high priest's family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power? That's the right question. By what power and name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders. Now, when you get down to the end, the group is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit again and proclaim the word of God. Gary, you told me a story when I was sitting in your office about the picture of this up on your wall. You are not naturally an evangelist. But at that night or day, whenever it was, what happened? Just say it out loud. I became an evangelist. And what happened? 20-something people got baptized. You proclaimed the word of God boldly. The Spirit of God can come on you and fill you. And you don't speak in tongues. You don't see visions. You don't have dreams. I believe in all that. What happened here? They spoke the word of God boldly. Did you speak boldly that night? Or was it a night? Yes. That night? Yes. Was it a surprise to you? Now, brothers and sisters, I want to recommend that we use some language now to acknowledge what happened to Gary that night. What happened to Gary that night? He received a, an anointing. Okay? Now, you can use different words. I don't care what linguistic symbols you use. Pick out one. Paul says a spiritual man or woman develops spiritual words for spiritual things. Was that Gary? He's not naturally an evangelist. Everybody say the word anointing. Anointing. Get used to it. You can pick another word if you want to. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and proclaimed the word of God boldly. Why are we hesitant to say that? You were filled with the Holy Spirit, Gary. And you proclaimed the word of God boldly. And as you did, 20-something young people said, I will follow Jesus. Woo! <laughs> Joy in the Holy Spirit. Hope. Oh my goodness. A promise of things to come. Wouldn't you like to see that more? What happens if you believe it? Do you see it more? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you believe it, you see it more. If you believe it, you participate in it. You step out in it. When you step out in it, you look at each other and you go, uh-oh. Everybody look at somebody and say, uh-oh, 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 <laughs> uh-oh, God is in the house, uh-oh, the Holy Spirit's here, uh-oh, 20-something people don't come, no one says Jesus is Lord apart from thee. Wow, I'll end on this, I want to see that more and more and more, it's in the Bible. The Spirit of God is at work in me and in you. Make the Bible alive. Come to believe it with your whole heart. Invest in those beliefs and you will have more uh-oh moments where you see God move in power and you go, God is in the house. Let's close with a prayer. Lord Jesus, you are here living in our midst. We worship you. You are the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. And we proclaim, my God, that is who you are. 
Thank you now for being with us as we've opened up your word, living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And now may that word be planted in us deeply. And may we invest faith and see your word come alive. Come alive. And I'll close. This is an old, I've quoted this before. This is a prayer we use in Tracius. It comes from 1200 AD. Come Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and they shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by that same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys. Y'all have a great day. Thank you.